Um, so I'm going to um, share Lectio this morning. I'm going to start with a David Goa quote. Um, David is Brad's uh, godfather. Um, as a spiritual discipline, Lectio helps us to become attentive, attentive to wonder and attentive to our own inner dis-ease. Spiritual disciplines help us empty ourselves of the things that aren't real, such as our fears, our cravings, and resentments. All disciplines do this. They cultivate your capacity to become conscious of your diseases, which is why Lectio calls us to repeat the readings. The repetition fatigues our denial so that by the third or 13th time, some unrecognized uneasiness rises to the surface to be anointed and maybe even healed. Spiritual disciplines help us to become attentive to something other than our fears, cravings, and disease. But these do have to be surfaced, offered up, and let go of. Lectio is an amazing way of offering the brokenness of our lives up so that we can be resurrected to the fullness of life again. And I'll be honest with you, the first few times I read the passage earlier this week, I really struggled with a line in it. There are a lot of lovely words, but there are some that kind of stick in your throat. If we can't read all the words and have a way to process them, then we aren't letting scripture do its work. I'm going to read through these verses, and I want you to listen to the words and imagery that feel unpleasant or even jarring to you. In the silence, let that discomfort, that dis-ease near. So it's Psalm 147, and I'm reading from the NIV. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. We'll just let, have some silence and let that permeate inside of you.
um, this psalm gives us a little peek into our humanity, our weaknesses, our desire to have those who we see as enemies cast to the ground. Or maybe you never feel like this. Maybe you have found higher ground to stand on. But if you do struggle with your feelings and wishes towards others that oppose you, let us also find an honest hope in this passage. As I read it, listen for the hope that is highlighted for you. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He, provi he provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in him. I hope you were able to find a hope in, in the passage. For me, um, sorry, I'm trying to look at the screen and now I should go back here. For me, it was he, that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I think we can only feel um, like we would want to have our enemy cast down if we're somehow brokenhearted and to know that he can heal that and bind our wounds uh, is very comforting to me. I'm just going to close with prayer. Lord, please show us that even our diseases, our shadows and our vulnerable weaknesses are welcome in your midst. Help us not to hide anything from you, but to bring everything into your light. Amen. I do just have one uh, last announcement that I'm going to pop in here. We had a steering team meeting this week, and um, we decided to add another couple to the team. So we're happy to say that Josh and Karina Lowen have been invited and they have accepted the invitation. Uh, we would love the community to participate in welcome, welcoming them. So um, there will be an email in your box just with this announcement. And if you would like to send words of encouragement 
or any kind of affirmation, we would love to have you just respond to the email and we'll pass them on to the loans. And that's it. Hey, looking forward to that. Um, we're gonna do communion now. So if you wanna gather your elements, whatever that is, today my elements are water and uh, peanut butter pretzel because it's a good way to remember. So as you're gathering those things, um, you know, we, we do, it's, it's been really great to see during this, this time of separation that we've been able to enter into joint practices together. And what I love about the word practice is that it leaves room for us to be in all different places and to just come and do it once again together. And it's not about perfection. It's not about getting it always right. And I think, you know, in the Bible, there's all of these moments where we are invited to practice and to remember. And I love the thought of remembering as a putting together again. And, and so much of life, it's life is hard. We have moments where we start feeling like we're alone, like we've been abandoned. And we have these weekly practices where we gather and we can remember, we can put ourselves back together again. We can remember we're connected to one another again. It's, it's that redoing so that we can remember that we belong to one another. You know, don't stop giving up gathering, don't stop remembering. And in this case, don't stop resurrecting. Um, I read something once that said the Bible is what's called a, generally a high context document. And that's that it'll say something and it thinks that you know all the background information. So when we read, um, like we're going to today, when it says to remember the Lord's death, it actually isn't asking us to just focus on the death of Christ. Everybody dies. It's actually not that spectacular that Jesus died. Um, it's like when I was a kid, my dad used to ask us to um, clear the table. And we used to try and get away with just clearing the table. But what my dad meant was clear the table, put away the leftovers, load the dishwasher, wash the dishes, wipe the counter. And so when we're invited to remember the death of God, the death of Jesus, we're actually asked to remember the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Christ, because Jesus showed us the way of living as people who embrace life, death, and resurrection over and over again. So I want to read from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So today when we take our elements, I want us to remember that we're resurrection people because Jesus showed us 
the resurrection way. And we remember that as a people, we say yes to life, death, and resurrection over and over again. We say yes to confession, repentance, and forgiveness over and over again. We say yes to order, disorder, and reorder over and over again, life, death, and resurrection. We're invited to participate in this mystery together. Would you remember with me? problem with peanut butter pretzels when you have to pray. It takes a minute. So I'm going to pray for Sarah, who is going to bring us a good word this morning. So glad that she's sharing. So Jesus, I just thank you for this community that practices the way that we lean into the life we know, and then the disruption and the disorder of death. And then we find new ways that bring new life in our resurrection practices. And I pray that you will just bless Sarah as she is bringing us a, a word today on our part in that process. And I just pray that you would bless her and bless her words. And thank you for your constant revelation to us and through her. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, welcome to the team, Josh and Karina. It's great to have you officially on the steering team. That's very cool. Um, okay, so let me just grab my speaky thing. Uh, welcome to my art space. I'm here today because I, um, I want to show something with my camera later and my office can't handle, the, can't handle it. So anyway, welcome to a new space. It's kind of fun. Uh, let me just grab this. Here we go. So um we are gonna i'm gonna talk mostly out of mark this morning um there's a few other passages in the lectionary but mark is our main focus and hewlett is going to read that in a little while just not uh, in a minute um but first uh we had a power out i don't know if anybody else did around three o'clock this morning uh in the morning one day this week i can't remember which day was it sunday night last week anyway um i realized the power was out because my bed wasn't glowing <laughs> um i've got one of those fancy new beds which has usb ports in the side of it and uh, it's awesome. It's really handy, but it glows blue. So my, my bed glows blue on both sides. It's a little bizarre. And um, I realized as I stood up that we must have had a power out because there was no blue glow. I went upstairs to check that the street was dark, uh, which it was. And so I called it in and everything was quiet. There was no humming. There was no fridge noise. There was no furnace whirring. It was just quiet and it was dark. Darkness has a really bad reputation, but it's something that we need. And I wanna to propose today that it's where God hangs out. And there's this tiny little verse in the middle of today's text that shows that Jesus was pretty comfortable in the darkness too. And uh, maybe to perhaps encourage us to go out and be with him and to hang out with him for a while in the darkness. We need darkness for our health. Our bodies need sleep 
and sleep is done best in the dark. We mess with our natural rhythms every time we put a light on. If I had my way, and Stephen Karen won't let me, but if I had my way, I would be in bed an hour after the sun went down. You know, when the last evening light has faded from the sky. Uh, I'm not allowed to because I would end up being on a totally different time zone to you guys. Uh, but my body knows that it's time for sleep. Maybe my body wants to work as it, as it was actually designed to. And perhaps it's the electric light that we torture ourselves with that's really messing us up. Honestly, I feel the torture. Around about 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, I feel the torture. Uh, and electric light is what does that to us. You might hit it like 11.30 at night, but you know it's still, we're torturing ourselves because our bodies are meant to be sleeping. This is interesting. Hey, did you know, statistically, people who work regular night shifts have more instances of cancer than their daytime counterparts? Huh, who knew? More mistakes are made by doctors and nurses on a night shift than in the daytime. And every nuclear major incident around the world has happened on a night shift. And on and on the list goes. Crime mostly happens at night. And curiously, there was an experiment in Chicago to see if they could reduce crime by putting more light on. So they upped the wattage of the lights that were in the streets. They made everything a bit brighter. And you know what actually happened is that crime rose. There was more crime with the extra light of the night. I don't know if it's because people could see each other to hit them properly. I don't know. But uh, it was it's just really curious that crime rose with the electric light that just messes us up. Pushing through the darkness and trying to treat it like daytime by illuminating it artificially messes with us. Artificial light was maybe not so much of a challenge for Jesus or an issue in his day. I mean, they had the fire in the hearth and candles and lamps, but electric light was a long way off. We need the dark. Dark is not a bad thing. There is just one verse in the middle of today's passage from Mark that could be really easily overlooked, but it was the one that really jumped out at me as I read it. Um, and I tend to read the passage like 10 times before I even figure out what I'm going to speak, just so I can um, I can just find the nugget in there that, that really wants to jump. And that was the one. It's this little verse right in the middle where we find Jesus in the dark. So the passage starts off where last week, um, last week ended. The synagogue gathering is over and Jesus, uh, having healed the shouty man in the synagogue, goes on with his day. So Hugh is going to read uh, Mark 1, 29 to 39 for us. Jesus and those with him left the synagogue. Right away, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her. He took her by the hand and helped her up. The fever left her. Then she, be then she began to serve them. That evening, uh, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were sick. They also brought all who were controlled by demons. All the people in the town gathered at the door. Jesus healed many of them. They had all kinds of sicknesses. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Jesus then prays in the quiet place. It was very early in the morning and still dark. Jesus got up and left the house. He went to a place where he could be alone. There he prayed. Simon and his friends went to look for Jesus. 
When they found him, they called out, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. I want to go to the nearby towns. I must preach there also. So that is why I have come. So he traveled all, so he traveled all around Galilee. He preached in the synagogues. He also drove out demons. Thank you, Hugh. Uh, so when they got to Peter's house, they find his mother-in-law sick in bed with a fever. Jesus is told about it and taken to her. And without saying a word, well, a word that we know about anyway, he heals her. P uh, Mark is really sparing with his descriptions, by which I mean he doesn't describe anything. He's just like, a, here's what happened, and then what happened, and then what happened, and then what happened. He's like, a, he's like all onto the next action. Um, anyway, Jesus takes her by the hand, helps her up, and heals her. The fever breaks, and she gets up to make them lunch. <laughs> There's so much to talk about there, uh, but moving on. Uh, breaking a bunch of Sabbath laws, incidentally, happens all the time around Jesus. She broke a whole bunch of Sabbath laws by getting up and making them lunch. Perhaps it's because she understood the summation of the law that Jesus gave, which was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself to mean feed the Lord your God with all your strength and feed your neighbor as you feed yourself. And she wouldn't be wrong. They spent the afternoon there, Jesus and his buddies, hanging out, resting, Sabbathing, which is not a real word. And then after sundown, when the Sabbath was ended, the whole town came to the door. Like the whole town came to the door, he says, uh, bringing all their sick and hurting to Jesus so he could heal them too. I can imagine that evening must have been a zoo and it must have been amazing. Eventually, everyone trickled back to their homes and Jesus and his friends bedded down at Simon and Andrew's house where it seems they were staying. And then before dawn, Jesus was awake. And this is the verse that really jumped at me and I want us to think about and imagine just a little. This is verse 25 in the middle of that passage. It was very early in the morning and still dark. Jesus got up and left the house. He went to a place where he could be alone and there he prayed. Mark short sentences. It was very early in the morning and still dark. Jesus got up and left the house. He went to a place where he could be alone and there he prayed. It was nighttime, it was dark. And this is where we find Jesus. How many of us find ourselves in darkness? We find ourselves literally awake in the middle of the night when all of the worries of the world seem a lot bigger somehow. Or maybe we find ourselves figuratively in a dark space where everything seems a bit hopeless. That we even call sad times and worried times and times when we're depressed or anxious dark times shows the kind of bad rap that we give to darkness. But I don't think we have to think about darkness like this because God is present in the darkness. Literal darkness and metaphorical darkness, physical darkness and emotional darkness. God is present in all darkness. Hard to find sometimes, but there nonetheless. In Genesis 1 verse 2, so I mean really, really close to the beginning, it says, at first the earth lacked shape and was totally empty. And a dark fog draped over the deep while God's spirit wind hovered over the surface of the empty waters. We love that po the poetry in that, a dark fog draped over the deep. But the spirit is right there. 
if we only look in Genesis and Exodus, like if we don't even go any further than that in the Bible, we find God in the dark over and over again. God takes Abraham out to count the stars. You can only do that in the dark. God delivers his promise to Abraham in the dark. Jacob sees angels going up and down on the ladder, Jesus, between earth and heaven in a dream. Again, nighttime. Moses follow God, follows God by cloud by day and in the pillar of fire by night. God is present in the dark. Another passage for today in the lectionary is Isaiah 40, and it reminds us to look up and remember God. And again, you can only do this in the dark. Look up toward the sky. Who created everything you see? The Lord causes the stars to come out at night one by one. He calls out each of them by name. His power and strength are great, so none of the stars is missing. And in the psalm that Eden read to us, in Psalm 147, it says, He counts the stars and assigns each a name. Our Lord is great with limitless strength. You'll never comprehend what he knows and does. You cannot count the stars or look up and even see them unless you are in the dark. It's actually one of the joys of a power out is that you can look up and see the stars. God is creator. God is great. He has limitless strength. And God is present in the darkness, encouraging us to look up and to see. And so darkness is not meant to be a scary place. We need the dark for rest. We need it for sleep and recovery. If we don't sleep and we don't rest, we don't heal. The workout people, you know, those people who do that workout business I've, I've heard, say that if you don't sleep, you might as well not exercise. Because sleep and recovery is where you actually build strength. It's why my illness, um, myalgia cancephalomyelitis is a big long word, or chronic fatigue syndrome, it's why it's such a rude word. Although I'm tired, which is not quite a big enough word for how I feel, but although I'm tired, my body never gets refreshing sleep. I can sleep as long as I want, but my body is never refreshed from it, and it doesn't build health like it should. It doesn't recover each night like it should. It's like I'm not quite fully plugged in to the to the power and I don't quite recharge. We need sleep and we need darkness. It's where we recover, it's where we build strength. The darkness of night is not a scary place because we really need it and that is where God is. And Jesus knew that. Going out in the night to pray was actually really normal for Jesus. He did it all the time. Luke 5, 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Whenever possible, Jesus seeks out solitude so he can pray and meditate. In these silent and reflective moments, he just seems to refuel mentally or physically or spiritually because I presume Jesus hears his father speak during his time alone. On this occasion, he'd had a really busy day, like the shouty person in the synagogue in the morning and then nipping next door to Peter's for lunch and finding his mother-in-law asleep in bed, uh, asleep and with a fever in bed and waking her up and healing her and then getting up and having lunch and then chilling with his mates all afternoon and then everyone in the town coming out to see him like he'd been had a busy day and Jesus didn't then have a sleep in uh, which I think I might have been tempted to do having had such a busy day he decided that he would get up in the dark and go out early in the morning Jesus got up, left the house while it was still dark, and went to a deserted place to pray. With a little help from Google, you can actually find the Jewish morning prayers that Jesus would have learned to pray growing up. And he may have used them, but we don't know. Like, it just says he went out to pray. It doesn't say what he prayed or how he prayed. It just says that he prayed. 
We don't know what he actually said or how the exchange with his father in heaven went down. So we have to use our imaginations a little bit. Jesus only teaches the disciples about prayer when somebody asks him to. I'm sure they must have watched him. I'm sure they noticed that he did it differently than the prayers they all learned as young kids in the synagogue. So early in the morning, he went off by himself. This wasn't a teaching moment. This was just time for him. I would love the ability to, to sneak up behind him and just listen in. How amazing would that be? However, we just have to kind of guess, like we don't know. Prayer is kind of one of those things that um, I've observed gets a little shaken up during times and seasons of faith renovation. Um, I hate the word deconstruction, but renovation, like we renovate. And um, I've heard people ask, and I've asked myself, what do you even pray anymore? I don't know if you've asked yourself that question, but I've actually had plenty of conversations with people who are really stumped in this area and have no idea how to pray anymore. When certainty is shaken, like Phil was talking about last week, everything seems to shake a little. And the way we pray, even why we pray, is one of the things that gets shaken up. The disciples asked Jesus um, to teach them because they were in that same process. They'd learned as kids in the synagogue school these prayers that they'd prayed every day, but Jesus seems to be doing it differently. And everything seems to be shaken up by this rabbi. And so they ask him to teach them. Jesus, you seem to pray differently than how we learned to pray as kids. So how do you pray? What do you say? And he taught them the Our Father prayer, which is easy to remember, something that we can riff off of. And it's a good place to start. I have been in super awkward prayer meetings where people have been telling God what must be done and how everything is to go. I hate that. It just makes me shudder. Surely it isn't telling God what to do. I have listened as people have wept and begged God to do things. And it makes me uncomfortable too. I mean, maybe it's just the demonstration of emotion that makes me uncomfortable, but um, surely it isn't begging God. Surely it isn't begging God or telling God what to do. Moments like that might have turned me off prayer entirely, but I know that I need it. I need prayer like I need darkness because it lets me heal. It keeps me centered on the one who loves me most. It forms me as I let it do its work in me. And I want to, if it's okay with you, share a little of how I learned to pray and some tools that have helped me in the past or are currently helping me now because I needed to find a way to stick with it, even as I wrestled with prayers and not knowing. Even as I wrestled with the, uh, I don't know, how does this go? And the reason is I, I, I started looking around because I got really tired of my own prayers. I got really bored with my own thoughts because I'm not very smart and I'm quite repetitive. <laughs> Um, I didn't want to tell God what to do. I like even just wrote, why do we think we can boss God around? Like, really? Um, that felt inappropriate to do that. I didn't want to beg him to do stuff either, because that just felt like I wasn't really trusting that he had my best interests at heart. So I didn't just want to sit there and groan, uh, although um, I felt that's all I actually had. Um, so I needed to do some conversing with God somehow. And so I hunted around for some things to pray that would help me remember who God is and remind me of the wonder of it all. 
I needed to start the conversation somewhere and I felt inadequate to provide my own words for my part of the dialogue. And I heard Brian Zahn say once that the purpose of prayer is not to tell God what to do, but to be properly formed by it. And I figured my best efforts and thoughts weren't going to be awesome to form me. Like uh, I can only go so far. I'm just not smart enough. And I needed to crowdsource my formation. So um, I set about finding. So um, uh, I'm going to share a few things that I've used and bits and pieces that I've gathered. And then maybe you could share anything else that you've got that you've kind of been like, actually, this has really helped me pray. This has really helped me figure out how to do this. And so let's resource each other. And when we find ourselves awake in the dark with the worries of the world crashing down on us, may we get up literally or metaphorically and go out and meet Jesus in the lonely places to talk with him there. So there are a few books uh, that I've used as guides for periods of time in different seasons, and I'm going to show you to them and share my practice. And I offer it as a it might help. Try it if you like it and ignore it if you don't kind of a thing. So uh, if you're cool with that, I'm going to turn this camera on. And Josh, if you wouldn't mind uh, highlighting my spotlighting my phone rather than my face, that would be cool. So hopefully you can see that now. Fantastic. All right. So, uh, okay, here's a few. Um, this is one that I have used, um, and it is the Common Prayer, a Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals. Uh, this book is also an app, which is quite cool. It's going to make this small so I can see what I'm showing you as well. Um, it's fairly short each day. Um, it's very justice-based. Uh, and it tells some really good stories of ordinary saints and radicals, as the title suggests. Um, if you, uh, if you, uh, liturgy is something that forms us. It's something that shapes us. Um, at the uh, beginning here, it says, um, if you love liturgy, this book is for you. If you don't know what liturgy is, this book is also for you. Whether you're overchurched or underchurched, a proud evangelical, a recovering evangelical, or not an evangelical at all, whether you are high church, low church, or no church, a skeptic or a Pentecostal, whether you found a community or have burned out on community, this book is for you. You don't read it straight through. There is stuff for every day. Um, it is uh, liturgy. Okay, liturgy comes from a Greek word which means public worship and it forms us. It's like hanging out in the pub and having everybody with us. So each day there is a section. So this is February 7. And in the app, so it's not very much to do. And in the app, it gives you exact same thing. Okay, so that's one. Common Prayer, Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals. That was put together by Shane Claiborne, Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, and Emuna Okoro. Uh, another one that I have used time and time again is Earth Gospel by Sam Hamilton Poor. Um, and it is a guide to prayer for God's creation. This one is really ecologically grounded. It has beautiful poems and prayers and invites us every day to focus on ways that we can love God and love his creation. It's four weeks of prayers, morning, midday and evening. And I come back to it over and over again. That was very cool. Um, another, told you I've been all over looking. Uh, this is Daily Prayer with the Corimila Community by Padraig Atoma, and it's poems and prayers, or kind of poem prayers in his way, and it's a month's worth, and as well, again, well worth repeating. Um, 
me read you from here. Uh, he says, no prayer is perfect. There is no system of prayer that is the best. There is only the person praying, the person kneeling, the person walking with beads between their fingers, the person cursing God or gloom or fate or whatever it is that seems not to be listening. Henry Nouwen says that the only way to pray is to pray and the only way to try is to try. So the only way to pray well is to pray regularly enough that it becomes a practice of encounter. No prayer is hollow, whether it's answered in one way or the silent way. To name the night is to be like God, speaking light to formless voids, putting rhythm and rhyme to the pell-mell that compels us. To pray is to trace the edge of chaos and find a way to contain it, not control it. Even if the story we pray is, is only a fiction, it might be fiction that'll save us. It's awesome. I love his way of doing it and his prayers are fantastic. Um, okay, I've got a few books on Kindle, so I can't actually show you it for real, um, but I have the covers. These two by Justin Rob McRoberts and Scott Erickson, May It Be So and Prayer. This is two different books, both of which are 40 days of practice. Um, and they combine Scott's uh, images and Justin's prayers and poems and they, they bounce off each other and enhance each other. And again, really repeatable, 40 days each. Um, so those ones I would highly recommend. If you are more of a kind of all over body kind of person prayer, like words are like meh, whatever, but I'd like to move and engage my body, then I would recommend this one. This is Holy Listening with Breath, Body and the Spirit by Whitney Simpson. Um, she uses ancient tools to build a practice of holy listening. She uses Lectio Divina, which we know about. Um, she uses breath prayer, aromatherapy, journaling, yoga, and wraps it all in sacred space. So if using all of your senses is your jam, this one, this is good. Holy listening, breath, body, and the spirit. Um, and then the one that we're going to be doing uh, for Lent, walking in the wilderness. Again, that's um, meditations scriptures, prayers, and a word to carry into the day. Uh, and there are a few apps if, let me show you this. So um, in the app world, um, this one here, that is, uh, that is the common prayer, the one I showed you at the beginning. So that's, that's, that's it in an app form. Um, daily prayer, that guy there. Uh, sorry, it's a little bit far away. Can you see him? There we go. That's better. Um, daily prayer is the Anglican prayer book. It's quite long. You need a bit of time for that one. Um, sacred space, super short. You need hardly any time for that one. Uh, that one cycles through the um, topics of presence, freedom, consciousness, a passage from the Bible conversation and often concludes with glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and shall ever be world without end which is a cool prayer uh, lectio 365 this one is from the oasis church in the uk and it's a guide to prayer every day of the week um, and it uses the form of pause reflect ask and yield so the word pray um, and this one can read to you, which is really nice if you're like, I haven't got time. This is like nine minutes, 10 minutes sometimes, um, sometimes even shorter. 
and uh, it'll read and give you space, which is kind of nice, and some chill background music. Um, and Sundays look a little different because they pause and it reflects on the fact that it's the Sabbath, uh, which is nice. And then the uh, examine is a good, this one here, is a good end of the day practice. I use this one sporadically. I'm not very good at the end of the day because I'm usually just desperate to go to sleep. Um, but what it does is it helps you identify consolations and desolations from the day and the good things that you have to carry with you into tomorrow. Uh, and sacred space, I talked about that one. Okay. Um, Lectio 365 has a prayer. Um, every day that I use, and it really helps me. And I'm just going to just say it right now. It's one that really slows me down. So it goes like this. As I enter prayer now, I pause to be still, to breathe slowly, to recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. Even as I read that, I feel myself slowing down. It's like I imagine myself walking out to where Jesus is in the darkness and sitting down next to him. And so these are, from these sources, I have, um, I've kind of gathered the things that I pray uh, every day. Um, Josh, can you put my um, phone back on? Um, what I did was I gathered, um, I gathered some prayers into a book because I, uh, uh, the book looks like this. Um, because I, uh, when I read, I skip over in my, if I'm reading in my head, I kind of don't read very carefully. I just read fast. Um, and so I'm not really praying. I'm just reading at speed. Um, when I say it out loud, that kind of helps a little bit to slow me down and help me realize what it is that I'm saying and what I'm praying. But um, I actually find that writing really helps me. Uh, I wrote this a long time ago, so my writing has improved. But um, this is uh, what I put together. So this, this is just a collection of prayers that I put together over time that I kind of build into my regular. So our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so on. I pray this, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy over and over. And that appears through this over and over. Just some scriptures that have helped me focus. A collect for grace. Lord God and everlasting Father, you've brought us in safety to this new day. I love that at the beginning of praying. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I love the fact that these say we and us and that we kind of ally ourselves with the whole of humanity as we pray these prayers. That it's not about me, it's about all of us. Again, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. The number of times I repeat this, remind me and teach me that God is merciful. And I find that I, maybe mercy's grown in me too, just because of praying that. Um, come, let us adore him. This comes up over and over. Um, I have in here that I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. To pray this reminds me what I what I. No, reminds me what I believe, reminds me things that they they kind of go deep each time I read them. 
Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Okay, and then there's, there's, there's a ton in here and some of them I don't pray every day. So like Fridays, for instance, I don't pray that every day. Uh, let me find the one that I want us to pray together. The Anglican Church has a collect for each day of the each week of the year. So these are in here too. So they get skipped over most days. Um, I pause and I pray for myself. This one is a fantastic prayer. Uh, that I use to pray for myself. Into the compassionate womb of your love, O oh God, I bring my deepest needs, my strongest hopes, my greatest fears. Give me tears for my grief, a voice that I might cry out to you. Give me words that I might say what is most on my heart. Give me courage so that I will always seek the healing that you have to give me. Let me always offer my suffering to you so that when healing does not come, wisdom, justice, and compassion may be its fruit, a life given to you, Abba God. Amen. And so on. Um, but this is what I would like us to pray together. So uh, I'm, I'll read it. You guys can pray and read it along too. Um, I would suggest we don't all unmute because that just is a zoo. So um, just where you are, let's pray this. This is Our Father, taken from the uh, New, New Zealand church. They rewrote it. So this is them. Eternal spirit, earth maker, pain bearer, life giver, source of all that is and that shall be, father and mother of us all, loving God in whom is heaven, the hallowing of your name echo through the universe, the way of your justice be followed by people of the world, your heavenly will be done by all created beings, your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trials too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory and power that is love, now and forever. Amen. So that, um, that is my kind of research that I want to offer you as a, as a gift this morning. You can use it as you like. There is um, a, a time in all of that where, I'm, where I pause and I pray for others. I pray for the world. I pray in color and shape and pattern. And my drawings help me bring different people in different situations to God. I like that scene in the shack where Papa asks Mac to tell him about his children. And Mac asks why God, who knows everything, would even need him to tell them. And Papa answers, we love to hear about them from your perspective. And so that's how I pray for other people. God already knows what they need and where they're at. I can put in my five cents worth of perspective, knowing that God loves to hear about them from me too. Like if I know they're sick, I'll ask God to heal them. If I know that they're struggling emotionally or mentally, I'll pray for peace. But most of the time, I just bring them in name, picture or color, and I ask God to have mercy on them and let them know that they are enveloped in love. And my practice starts in the dark. Not in summer, because no one can get up that early. But the cozy dark of long winter nights, I begin with Jesus on my own in the dark and I meet him there. I go out 
metaphorically to a lonely place and hang out with him. And I use all those other people's words. I use my own words and drawings and colors. And I use words that have been shaped over centuries, words that are new and fresh. And I find ways to connect because my heart really needs it. I pause to listen, to breathe, to recenter my scattered senses on God. My heart needs to draw near to God at the start of the day. And I'm not afraid of the dark because that is where I find God. I hope that you will have found that helpful. I hope that you'll find a way to meet with God in your day. I hope that you will find words to pray. So um, let's just pray together. In the darkness, God, of our current restrictions, in the middle of this global pandemic, and in the isolation that this brings, I pray that we will find you right here with us. In whatever darkness we find ourselves, I pray that we will find you right there with us. Darkness is not dark to you, but darkness seems really dark to us. Teach us not to be afraid of it, but encourage us to go out into it and to meet you there. Teach us to walk all the way into our sadness and darkness and find you there to meet us and be with us as we walk. Teach us to pray, God. Teach us to find spaces to connect with you. Teach us, Lord Jesus, like you taught your friends to pray. Amen. And there you have it. Amen.